0: It's the 1st of February 2021, a year that's almost exactly the same as last. Not much has changed, but I hope you all enjoyed listening to the January interviews. Four brilliant people. We're going to be looking back on those uh, in this episode of the Canary Club podcast, but normality resumes here. Uh, we're going to look back on those January interviews, as I said. There's a new contract uh, for our 53-year-old Japanese striker <laughs> over in Yokohama. Uh, and then we're talking Euro 2020 or Euro 2021. What, what are they calling it now on not sure canaries worldwide uh we've had we got four red cards to talk about across our canary side uh and we're going to be telling you how you can get involved with the hitch and bells fundraising uh, as well as talking about the January transfer window. It's going to be a brilliant show. And it, you, it, this is the Canary Club podcast.
1: We're going to try and squeeze that all in then. Are we ready? In uh, f- 35 minutes?
0: We've got quite a lot. I mean, a lot yeah, of the time sure. I'd be planning it and I think, well, not sure we've got enough. And then I'll find myself sitting here doing the intro thinking, wow, 35 <laughs> minutes. Uh, we'll get, but we'll try and cram it all in Absolutely. anyway. Marek, how are you? I'm, I'm well, actually. I mean, yeah, like you said,
1: it's last year, this year. And here we go. Here we go. Yes, it's, it's getting. It kind of gets to you, but what you got to do is you just got to go out. We're very fortunate to have a, a beautiful walk to, just outside where we live, and and just get out, get some fresh air in your lungs. Be nice to people and uh, and crack on, basically
0: that that is it we're going to be talking a bit about that actually some of our favorite walks around the local area yeah. in terms of the uh the hitching bell stuff but let's first i mean the january interviews how good were they which one did you enjoy the most out do you think out of barry swain ollie Bayliss, kane mean, smith it, and it, then late yusuf which one did all... you really think that was good or or do, are you going to say they're all great well
1: no you know me i'm not really a fancier <laughs> freddie i'll say it i'll say it how, how it is but to be fair i, I do really honestly think that they all end their qualities, do you know what I mean? But uh, mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna swing with Leif because he's he's a gooner and he, he was just banging it out and and of course he knows all the old stuff like I did uh, even though I could go back uh, probably ten years before him. Um, he, kn- he knows his stuff and and it was just he <laughs> he's the only person we've ever had uh, anywhere near that can keep up with you, mate.
0: Yeah, honestly, I, I couldn't believe it because normally we'll see him at Top Field and you say hello, Leif, have a quick chat. And he's quiet and as he's as got else, to he? sit down and get on with his work. I yeah. had no idea he could talk. For that long honestly I was in shock
1: yeah it was a bit crazy wasn't it but uh, yeah no I mean like I say they all had their they all had their qualities and it was certainly uh, a, a good experience for myself you know
0: really was and good range of guests as well thank you to all of them for coming on and Ollie as well he played our interview well the best bits from our interview of Kane Smith on the uh, on BBC Free Counties radio on the non-league show so you can listen back to that if you go on the BBC Sounds website or app but yeah. thanks to Ollie for the support for in the podcast and we're going to talk about the Amptill Army podcast later on yeah. uh, Tyler Freeman started that out and that got a play on on that sh- on that show as well he's did, uh, did one the Amptill manager uh, Lee Hawke so great stuff from Ollie really supporting non league yeah, football yes. uh, but Marek we're talking about the youth there almost of people like me and Tyler and um, setting up these podcasts but 53 yeah. year old Kazuyoshi Miura yeah. uh, over in Japan he's 54 uh, on the 26th of February yes. and he's just got a new contract just amazing yeah well we'll swap him for Willian um I mean <laughs> what can I tell you
1: about about Kazuma man he he's just incredible. I mean, I remember him, and we're talking 20 years ago. Since I I was over in Japan, best part of 20 years, and I still remember him then being a top quality player. Used to play for Japan, and he he just don't know when to stop, does he? They, you know, they're gonna they're gonna bury the guy, and still going to be kicking footballs around.
0: It, it is just incredible. And, and also you think maybe, what is he playing, non-league or, you know, down in the lower levels of the Japanese former? No. He's playing for Yokohama FC yeah. in J1. Yeah, they got they got promoted, didn't they, I believe? And um,
1: yeah, he's in J1, which is, uh, I mean, the quality of J1 is um, around mid-table of our championship. So um, he's, he's still playing a high-level game and, and and it is very fast-paced over in Japan.
0: If you look at that, I mean, if you look at the likes of the players out there, Thomas Vermeilen, Lucas Podolski, Andres yeah. Iniesta, you know, you're coming up yeah. against people like that. And obviously it's a place where maybe some of the stars of Europe have maybe gone on to, uh, to to end their career. But he's just been there for ages. And I'm right to say he played a bit of futsal when he was younger as well, maybe over in Brazil. He's kind of been inspired by that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, he... he, he- Played for Japan as well, of course. I mean, the man's had a a superb career. Really, is. I was just thinking to myself, you know, if you're if you're on that pitch as as a as a what even like let's say a 25 year old or whatever, uh, are you really going to go in hard on Kazu, knowing that, hey man, that's that's Kaz. You know what I mean? Am I really? You've got to respect the man. You know.
0: Yeah, you just want to protect him, don't you? You want to see how long really? he can go for. I mean, imagine <laughs> if you're the guy who gives him a career-ending injury at the age oh, of 54. You're yeah. going to feel terrible. Well, you might have to leave Japan, you know what I mean? It might yeah, <laughs> oh, you would
1: be kicked out, wouldn't you? <laughs> Certainly would, you know. But, yeah, no, I mean, all power to him. May may go on until he's 63. I mean, you know, he could probably play in J3, but, you know, if he if he touches 60, no reason why not. Maybe,
0: maybe drop down to Jeff or, or Giffy. <laughs> That'd be great to see anyway. <laughs> well, we'll have him down Jeff. There. Yeah, we'll sell more shirts with uh, with uh Kazu <laughs> on the back. <laughs> yeah, no it, yeah, it, defi- it definitely would. Um well, one thing Japan aren't involved in obviously is Euro 2020. Now, yep. it was obviously something that was going to be cancelled last year when we started seeing the effects of Covid and yep. a- alongside the Olympics, it's kind of cuz they almost happen at the same time. It's been uh, a big talking point this year anyway, even more so the Olympics hosted out in Tokyo yeah. uh, this year. It's meant to be anyway, but uh, we're going to kind of talk you through the latest news with the Euro, uh, Euro 2021, which I think UEFA are still calling Euro 2020, uh, oh, but they? good luck to them anyway. Yeah, um, in March 2020, they announced that they would be postponed by one year, proposing that it takes place from uh, the 11th of June to the 11th of July, exactly a month-long tournament. Uh, and they said the main reason really was that leagues like the Premier League, they could get their seasons finished and La Liga yeah. uh, and the likes. But uh, in January, just last month, uh, the UEFA president, Alexander Seferini, came out and said, vaccination has started. I think we'll be able to have full stands in the summer, which is a bold wow. claim. Yes. Uh, if you look at the the situations in many of the countries yeah, around europe bold. he said for now the plan is to play in all 12 countries of course there are backup options in case a country is a problem mm-hmm. we're ready to organize competitions in 11 10 or 9 cities and even only in one country if necessary however i'm 99.9 percent sure that's uh, good, uh, that we mean? will have the euro-, euro european championships in all 12 cities as planned so i mean mario what did you think of that because the original plan was to celebrate Kind of, I think it was a 50 year anniversary yeah. to, hold, um, to hold the Euros across 12 cities. Were you a fan of that or do you kind of like it just being kept to one country like normal?
1: There we go. If it ain't broken, don't fix it, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, yeah, it's nice and and, and doing, doing these kind of things is very romantic and stuff like that. But I mean, we're in a world pandemic, so maybe not such a good idea to go bouncing around all over the place. Mm. I know people have still got to come to your country and perform and play. and But I think that that's got to be a lot more controllable than having it sort of scattered around all over the place, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, ov- obviously they at the time there was no such thing as COVID and they planned this a few sure. years ago, but now it almost just looks like a ludicrous idea. Yeah, I mean, if it. we were in a pandemic while they were thinking this up, they would be saying, no way, uh, no way are we doing this. But I mean, there were concerns raised because you go into countries such as Azerbaijan who aren't even playing in the tournament. So you can going to have two yeah. sides. I mean, possibly like I think Wales are playing Finland or something in Azerbaijan. And, I mean, if you think of the amount of flights and money spent to go out there from countries nowhere near, I mean, you've got to feel for the fans a bit. It doesn't really seem like the fans are put at the centre of concern, which maybe be something that we've seen more frequently. For, yeah, I was going to say that. Things such up. as UEFA. Mm.
1: Yeah, I was, yeah I just, it's, it's just a bad idea, isn't it? Now, I mean, even more so now, you know, I mean, <laughs> Wales and Finland played in Azerbaijan. It's, uh, it's, it's tough for everybody involved, isn't it? I, I mean, it's romantic for the organisers and everything like that and maybe for the sport. But um, it, putting your sensible head on for a moment, let's just keep it to, as contained and as as possible i mean still going to have fans traveling maybe we don't know now with the pandemic so i mean yeah 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 and it's going to be prosperous for that country as well you know
0: mm. Yeah, I mean, Azerbaijan hosted the 2019 Europa League final uh, and there weren't too many English fans that really travelled out there. I mean, I think people are breaking down the cost of food and hotel, it's some ridiculous money anyway. And then Arsenal lost 4-1, but we won't talk too much about that. Um, But the Daily Mail, (laughs) they recently reported that UEFA are planning now uh, to stage the event in just four countries, which still is obviously more than usual uh, if their preferred model is impractical and that would be really due to travel restrictions which, yeah. as we know, could change right up to June and July. Mm, uh, countries are very flexible, this kind of thing. Uh, but the Mail have said England would definitely be one of the final four uh, as Wembley is set to show peace matches in the latter stages and the UK's vaccination programme is the most advanced in Europe. I'm going to have to say, though, yeah. uh, despite this vaccination program, there's still a, a fairly shocking death rate and cases rate here, here in the UK, one of the w- worst in the world. So UEFA would have to take that into concern. But uh, then the question you've got to ask yourself was which countries do you think could possibly host if the original plan is changed? I'd like to get your opinion on this, Marek. Yeah. Uh, so Russia seems to be the favourite because uh, obviously they've recently hosted the 2018 World Cup. Yeah. Uh, They've got a proven track record of hosting high-profile international tournament sporting events. So they've still got all the stadiums and the like from from the World Cup, haven't they? Do you think that would be a good option just to have a country recently hosted a tournament? And I think they've got fans back at their football games at the moment. So you'd have some supporters there.
1: Like like you say, everything is all kind of in place. And um, it it seems to be the most logical and sensible, um, like you say, Russia... You know, have have always been great hosts. Do you know what I mean? Um, there were a lot of concerns
0: around the World Cup, yeah. weren't there, as well with maybe the safety of fans. But it all went really yes, smoothly as well. People were very impressed.
1: Yeah, there's always going to be a little bit of uh, a little bit of all oh, it's, it's in Russia or all oh, it's over there and here and there. And in most of, I mean, I'm, I haven't travelled completely the world, but in most of the countries that I've travelled, and some of them are a bit sort of, oh, I wouldn't go there. Um, it's been wonderful. The hospitality and the people have been absolutely superb and top class. And, yeah, and Russia's exactly definitely
0: the same. some. The people in Russia, there were a lot of you know glowing stories about some. Of the hospitality, definitely.
1: Yeah, but no. So I, uh, I think um, I think Russia would be definitely a good starting point if you're going to go with the four countries, which I think is a bad idea for a start. But uh, especially England being one of them. I mean, dr- lorry drivers won't even come a- come across France into England again. Was that to England? No, no, thanks. I don't want that one. Um, yeah. So <laughs> you know, if it is, keep them keep them in close link to each other. You know, so there's not that much travelling around. You can literally go border hop in maybe.
0: I mean, that's the thing with Russia. I mean, the the mail mentioned how England's had a great vaccination program. So Russia started before any other country, yeah. um, and they've been getting that out. And I remember when the Champions League group stage on, there were fans at Krasnodar. Uh, so they're watching I remember that they had Chelsea loads of fans in that game yeah. uh, so it seems like they would be well set and uh, it's such a big country you can all ke- kind of keep it in one country it'll almost be like having it across four countries but without the yeah, without the concerns As we mentioned Azerbaijan hosting the, uh, the Europa League final yeah. maybe could financially they might be saying look FIFA you know done you a few favours here have done us a few favours uh, sorry UEFA uh, obviously hosting that Europa League final yeah. they are they are good mates Azerbaijan and UEFA However, there is this ongoing conflict uh, with Armenia. Uh-huh. I think there are even issues with, I remember Mkhitaryan is from, from Armenia. There are issues with him getting to the Europa That's League right. final yeah. in Azerbaijan. So stuff like that isn't going to be a good look, really. I mentioned England, the Daily Mail reporting it would probably be one of the final four. Wembley is going to host all three of England's group games, uh, a round of 16, both semi-finals and the final of the tournament. Uh, So they would obviously have to have a bit of a push to get it at Wembley. That's where they'd want the final to be. Uh, And they're also considering Poland and Germany. Plenty of lovely stadiums around those two countries. I'd love to go and go and visit Germany when this pandemic eases up. Yeah, I've done I've done Germany. I've been to
1: Berlin. And uh, of course, in the in the 90s with the Cosmics, we we toured around Germany, um, more West Coast and and stuff like that. But I mean, of course, being being a, a second gen pole, of course, I'd love to see it in Poland.
0: Yeah, it would be great. You could have the you could have them almost across the two countries uh, yeah. as well. Not sure what the COVID situations are like, but what do you think's the best idea? Then, would you go doing it in Russia?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's all in place. And for me, for me, Russia's got to be top of the pile if they're willing to host it and uh, and crack on. They've, they've got their they've got their like say, got their stadiums in place. They've all got the protocols of people travelling there and stuff. They've just done it all, you know. So they they everything's in place. It seems logical, um, especially under current situation.
0: And you feel that would be able to be nice and strict kind of if you're going to have to put the players into biosecure bubbles or anything with the fans. You know, you could get the army in or anything like that if they if they really are concerned about safety. But yeah, maybe Russia. But, you know, watch this space and it'd be good if we could predict something like this to to come in. But before we went on air, uh, because we're going to have a look at Canaries worldwide now. Um, you're, there's a bit of confusion around the Japanese leagues at the moment. Am I right in saying?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, normally, um, normally the the first two go up, and then the, the there's a playoff uh, situation. So let's take J, J League One and J League Two, right? So those that are going down, the two bottom ones are gone. Then the the four above them, I believe, have a playoff situation, um, in which the winner of that playoff will then play against the winner of the j2 playoffs so they're two j2 the top two teams will be promoted then there's a playoff and then them two teams play each other that's mm-hmm. the, that's the system that's in place um at the moment i i believe but uh, there's been some there's been some alterations um and they're not doing the playoffs and and only two teams the top two teams and the bottom two teams are going to be exchanging places
0: looks like there are covid concerns out in japan a country that yeah. did quite well uh in terms of its handling of the pandemic but obviously you've got the olympics there and i think tokyo has put into a state of emergency fairly recently and that's where they are meant to be hosting the olympics but i mean um, do you do you kind of look at that a lot in um, tokyo and the olympics and the like uh no i <laughs> i haven't had my nose anywhere near it freddie to be fair no uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we're football fans, and football at the Olympics kind of takes a bit of a, a bit of a back foot. You won't really get all the top players playing, so no, I'm not yeah. too interested. I quite like the Winter Olympics, though. I'm a bit of a fan of that. Something wow. to watch, anyway. But yeah, interesting. So we'll keep we'll keep an eye out uh, for for the events in Japan. Um, but the, the new season is four weeks away. In pre-season at the moment, yeah. what what do you think we can expect uh, from our two Canary sides out in Japan? What what will their aims be? For for the coming season?
1: Well, Gifu are going to be absolutely gutted because they were in a playoff position um, and, and they may well have uh, been the team in form, which we thought from from the J League 3. They're certainly, uh, they are an old J League 2 team. So, I mean, promotion is definitely uh, hard in their hearts. It would be nice to have seen the two Canaries play each other, but unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Um, I think Gifu, again, are going to have um, a very good season in the, in the three. I've also noticed that a lot of the under-23s teams have been taken out um i, I yes. don't know what's going on there um maybe again it might be something to do with the covid and people worrying about you know thinking well oh, we're not going to send our youths in there to be bouncing around the country we'll just keep them here um so that could be that uh, but yeah moving into the j2 um with jeff i mean we need we need to build that's my team jeff as you know when i went over there and uh, still i'm sitting in a jeff shirt right now um but, but yeah we need <laughs> we need Josh, some building yeah. thanks man yeah we need to we need to do some building ourselves you know defensively we was um very problematic um and and we're going to need to to bring in some some defensive players attacking wise i thought we was uh, we was quite good with yamada he seemed like a, a very lively prospect uh, and Kleber of course the Brazilian up front has been sort of scoring goals but um, he's getting on a bit now I can't really I feel bad saying that with Kazu there's it no getting just, on oh, a no, bit in it Japan it doesn't exist <laughs> it don't come don't on exist. no that's alright so but he's, he's yeah so uh, he's Brazilian he's just sort of he's just falling a, a yard behind the pace now himself you know so um,
0: the manager the managers must walk in when they say that just for a picture of Miura saying get back out there you yeah. know a couple <laughs> of laps with? around the training field man i don't care how old you are until you're 50 yeah. keep playing that's right you can't knock on my door to your 55th birthday yeah keep going <laughs> but I mean, yeah there might luck. even be situations where you've got managers who are younger than me or i mean it's just a, a, a crazy thought really is there a japanese cup as well <laughs> where we could see kind of jeff beating gifu is that on the agenda too um, there
1: there is uh yeah i mean the, the emperor's cup and there's uh the Yam- cup. yamazaki cup i think um i could have i could have got that wrong uh, forgive me um, if I have, but uh, yeah, there's there's like a, a similar to a league cup, if you like, um, where it's it's possible that they may very well meet.
0: That would be good to see. Let's go through the rest of our uh, Canaries worldwide results because obviously we haven't really been doing this nice. uh, while we've been doing the January interviews. There's a bit of catching up to do uh, for all of our listeners. A few changes in fortunes for some of the teams as well. Uh, Norwich City, uh, they had Wendia sent off in their 0-0 draw against <laughs> Rotherham United and um, really put under pressure by Rotherham in the second half. They had the likes of Chuba Akpom, uh and Yannick Balassi as well. Yeah. Uh, was it Rotherham or was it Middlesbrough? Middlesbrough, sorry. Yeah. Uh, not Rotherham. Okay. Uh, but they, yeah, really gave Norwich a game uh, in that second half. Balassie especially looked really threatening uh, going down that left-hand side. But Norwich still four points clear at the top of the table. Looks like they'll be bouncing back up to the Premier League uh, if they can keep the form going. Yeah. Uh, over in Algeria, JS Kabili, they won 1-0 against JSM Skikta uh, yeah. in the top division in Algeria. Uh, quite a low-scoring side, really. Uh, but they've got a new manager in, Denis Lavigne. Uh seems to have steadied the ship uh, in his month or so at the clubs they right. move up to seventh in South Africa our favorites uh, really go. Lamontville Golden Arrows and their, on, Arrows. I've got to say their, twi- their Twitter whoever does their Twitter is just brilliant they're always having a chat with me over there and we're yeah. uh, checking out how, how our sides are getting on but uh, always in good spirits are Lamontville Golden Arrows especially this weekend came back from one nil down uh, to beat Maritzburg United in the KZN Derby that uh, the South African province where those two sides are located uh, striker uh, not Matizwa, named man of the match, he got a goal and an assist. It was a really good second half performance from the Arrows. Uh, in that game and yeah. then also uh, we haven't really mentioned Mesut Ozil signed for Fenerbahce uh, they won 1-0 uh, against Kaikur Rizespor, who had two men sent off in the Turkish Super League uh, so Fenerbahce now top of the league one point clear of Besiktas Ozil yet to make an appearance he's been in full training though after a period yeah, of exactly. quarantine Marek will quickly say just to talk about Ozil we did a bit yeah. of late are you glad to see the back of him now
1: I'm not glad to see the back of him no because um, he's a of course, he 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 was he was certainly world class when he when he joined Arsenal. He'd just won a World Cup, you know. Um, I was a bit disappointed. I think is the word. Just disappointed with um, just what happened, all the stuff, how he was treated and snubbed out, and uh, how he just behaved himself was was unacceptable. But uh, you know, he he he's in he's in Fenerbahce, his childhood club, and uh, and I wish him all the best of luck. I hope he finds that form because he's a great player to watch when he's in form.
0: Yeah, make sure you listen back to our interview with Leif Youssef to get his thoughts uh, on Ozil, really he knows his stuff, heard us yeah, Leif. And I think we found ourselves agreeing with him a lot of the time as well. Yeah. Uh, talks a lot of sense about Arsenal when there are a lot of fans who kind of go the other way and don't really. But uh, in Spain, uh, the second division there, La Liga smart bank, Mirandes, they beat Las Palmas 2-0. Uh, the Canaries from the Canary Islands, so and Miranda's yeah. leapfrog them into eighth. Uh, they're roughly around the halfway point of the season. And Belgium, great win. Saint-Troydence, they beat Circle uh, Bruges 3-0 in the Belgian Pro League. It was an awful start to the season, as you'll remember correctly, uh, for Saint-Troydence, but they're up to 14th now. It doesn't look like relegation is going to be a problem for them, Uh, but it might be for Nantes. They had a man sent off in their 2-1 defeat uh, to AS Monaco uh, last night. Monaco played some really good football, though, uh, in their credit. Nantes fought back well in the second half, but the sorry Canaries in France. Raymond Dominic becomes the first... First nonce coach to lose his first five games in charge. Uh, so really not looking good for them as a manager. If you're going on a bad run, Marek, what do you think is, is kind of the ideal way to turn it around? How do you start setting it about? Cause the issue with nonce has been, they've played some really good football, but just individual errors like these red cards have been costing them results. Now five wins without a win. How do you start to turn it around?
1: Well, I mean, it's each manager's got their own sort of way of doing things like that. But you've you've got to when when a team starts losing, the heads start going down, and you've got to kind of get that oneness and that one ship back of hey guys, you know, we're a team, we can do this. We're uh, and the way I've always sort of done it at a very basic level, which is always been youth football, which doesn't count for FC nonce, obviously. Um, but uh, I, uh, some some getting together. I used to take them out. And we used to go bowling or stuff as all as a team, yeah. and kind of. You know what I mean? And, and have a day out together and some food. Food, a bit of pizza or something, and and just have a night together where you, you ain't got to worry about football. Whoever mentions football, has got to put a pound in the jar. You know, this isn't about football. This is about uh, and that kind of thing. But just just kind of getting you've got to get the team together. You've got to try and lift their heads. How he's going to do it, um, I don't know. You know, I feel a little bit sorry for old uh, Ray at the moment. Um, I wish him all the best, of course.
0: Let's see how they got on. But yeah, good game against Monaco last night. Monaco playing some lovely football. We'll all remember that Champions League side they had. I think knocked Manchester City out, took Juventus to the semi-final as well, but not quite the same players. Uh, still looking good. Uh, and it's pre-season in Belarus as well. Nem and Grodno, they had a friendly uh, this morning uh, against one of the Minsk uh, sides, and they won 3-1 in that one, missed a penalty as well. Uh, now we're going to talk about one of our local uh, girls football sides, the Hitchin Bells, doing really great stuff. Uh, around for the local community. Uh, I'm just going to tell you a bit about the fundraiser now. bells, players and coaches will be running and walking uh, to raise much-needed funds for Hattie's Rainbow of Hope appeal. Uh, From January the 18th, and for four weeks onwards, I think they might even be extending that period, uh, we will be running between every host city uh, of Euro 2021, which is 12, as we were talking about earlier on, wow. uh, racking up a total of 9,550 miles in the process. Now, they are extending, it's going to be over 10,000 miles, moving through 27 uh, countries. Uh, we will eventually end up back in our very own Hitchin, home of Hitchin Wales FC and Hattie herself. Obviously, they're just walking around the local area, they're not breaking travel restrictions yeah. or anything. Do not worry. Hattie's Rainbow of Hope appeal uh, was set up by Hattie and her family. Uh, she's a young girl, five fighting her own personal battle of cancer. and This is a way for her and her family uh, to give back for the fantastic care and treatment she has received. All money raised will go directly to fund research into uh, kinder and more effective treatments for the type of cancer she has, which unfortunately I'm not going to try and pronounce it's even worse than some of the Japanese side, uh, I've got to say. Um, but you can, uh, you can donate at HTTPS uh, colon two slashes www.justgiving.com uh, slash fundraising forward slash hitching bells. I say that again www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash hitching bells. Now, Marak, I'd quite like to get some thoughts on you about some of your favourite walks around the local area, just to uh, give some of these girls and their families some inspiration. If if maybe they feel they've done the same walk a few too many times, where would you recommend they head off to?
1: Well, around this local area, you've got Alton Head Common, of course, Um, and that stretches all the way up to the Barton Road. Um, I wouldn't recommend walking down the Barton Road but there's also you've also got the beginning of Barton Hills which is also uh at the start of the Chilterns which is which is lovely I mean if you can get them down really to nice. that car park and then of course you've got the Charlton Walk up around the back of the town centre you cut across the, the the main road on that bridge from the town centre uh, and and you can go into I mean you've got Gosmore down there just literally just down the road and some beautiful countryside again which will take you on to the the beginning of the Chilterns and you can just walk for miles down there and it's it's absolutely stunning country. We're we're so fortunate, aren't we?
0: yeah we really are it must be nice for everyone getting outside And you know people are going out early to get back for their online lessons and and all of that uh, I'd also recommend if you really fancy a big walk, you can walk up to Offley or Preston there's a load of yeah. kind of villages surrounding uh, surrounding our town of Hitchin as well but as you said Charlton, Nortonhead. Head popular spots uh, at the moment and I'm sure there'll be people dotted across Hertfordshire who play for the team but best of luck to them I'll put that link uh, in the in this um, in the description of this podcast yeah. Uh, So you can go and and donate uh, if you fancy or just send them a message of support or anything on social media. I'm sure it'll be all uh, greatly appreciated. We're now going to talk about uh, the January transfer window. It's arguably... Been one of the the quietest of all time, really. Uh, but we're going to look at some of the key signings of the window so far, Mark. And I'm just going to we're going to just have a few dis- a, a bit of a discussion around some of sure. these. Firstly, uh, one of the first ones really to happen uh, in the window is William Saliba, uh, Arsenal, uh, young centre back, signed from St Etienne a couple of years ago. He was loaned straight back to St Etienne. Uh, played a bit in pre season and for, for the under 21s. He um, just heard it wasn't quite maybe up to standard. He's gone out to Nice. Do you think that was a, the right move for him really to go and get some game time, you know, in his home country as well?
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's a good decision. I mean, Arteta knows what he's doing. He's, he's a very, um, a very clever guy. Um, I would have, you know, I mean, all fans are going to be going, oh, we need to keep Saliba, get rid of Mustafi. And, and that's kind of where my thick head is at the moment as well I mean I think he's got a role to play at the club as a support but like you say get him out there let him get some first team football experience come back a stronger player
0: yeah I agree with you there and that it seems like that's what's going to be happening anyway we hope so uh, Sebastian Haller never really worked out for him no, at it West Ham that he was so good uh, at Eintracht Frankfurt, never really happened for him at West Ham. Did score a couple of nice goals. He's gone to Ajax. Now, of all the signings I've picked out, is the only one who's gone for about more than two million, uh, two million pounds. Gone to Ajax for twenty point two five million. Yeah. Uh, Robert Snodgrass gone from West Ham to West Brom for an undisclosed fee. Do you think that's a good signing for Allardyce's side? Absolutely. Uh,
1: Snodgrass will give you the work rate. He's a bit like Milner in a way, and he obviously not as hmm. I don't put him in the same category as James Milner. Um, but he's one of those. Players that will just give you 110%, you know what I mean, whether you ask for it or not. Um, he, he, he's a bit of a yellow card collector. Um, West Ham have got a, a very good midfield, um, and I, I can see why they've they've got, got rid of him. And I can also see why Big Sam, who's got a pretty good... Good record to try and hang on to there with West Brom. I'll tell you what. Good luck. Yeah, keep uh, them up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Snodgrass is 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 a good addition. You know what I mean.
0: So he'll 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 definitely play a role there in uh, in that battle a man leaving the club Charlie Austin uh, going back to the club where he really arguably found his best form uh, at Queens Park Rangers he was there in their 2014-15 side which should have loaded good players I remember the likes of Rio Ferdinand yeah. uh, playing for them but Austin never really hit the ground running at West Brom but he knows where the back of the net is yeah he does I
1: think he's a bit like um, he's a bit like Mitrovic for me he's, a, he's an excellent championship striker but he just doesn't quite cut it in the premiership he you know he needs a little bit more time and of course you don't get
0: that uh, agree with you there. Moussa Dembele, uh, one of the many Moussa Dembele's. He's gone uh, from Lyon to Atletico Madrid on loan. Madrid at the top of the table in Lali, having a great season. And also another in local, we've talked a lot of local stuff today, as always on the Canary Club podcast, Jack Wilshire uh, was training on his own, I think he was out in Dubai uh, doing some warm weather training after he was released by West Ham uh, at the start of January. Uh, he's gone back to Bournemouth, a club where he had a loan spell, I think in 2016. Yeah. Uh, flourished under Eddie Howe there, but had injury problems and now he's gone to join Jason Tindall's side and he scored on his debut against Crawley. He did, but he's he's just always going to be burdened
1: by that injury, and he and it's a shame really because uh, Jack's a superb player. You know he was he was England ranked and played for England. Um, it's just I feel for him, I really do. Um, but yeah, now go back, go drop back into Bournemouth. You're going to get the playing time and just just keep playing Jack until it goes again, mate, and then just sit out for six months and decide when to call it a day. Um, <laughs> but definitely it'll be Andy for Bournemouth.
0: And one of the more high-profile signings in the European League, uh, Mario Mandzukic. His contract came to an end at Juventus. Uh, he got, has joined AC Milan now. Uh, in an interview, uh, while he was announced uh, at, at the Milan side, uh, he said he can't can't wait to basically terrorize opponents. Um, and <laughs> him up front alongside Zlatan Ibrahimovic, can't wait to see a bit of that. But Milan having a brilliant season uh, over there I- in Italy. Uh, Mandzukic and Ibrahimovic up front is definitely a fright. In prospect.
1: Good God, yeah! I mean, as long as they don't start fighting each other, it'll be great, would not it? <laughs> Too <laughs> two high-passerable yeah, players met Lukaku the
0: other day. Yeah. <laughs> wow.
1: Know. But yeah, no, what, a, what, a, what a strike force coming towards you! You know, just. <laughs> Great scored
0: in that World Cup final didn't he Mandzukic for Croatia I remember he scored an incredible overhead kick for Juventus Yeah. Uh, there was that Champions League final in Cardiff I remember rightly scored an incredible goal in that they did lose 3-1 to Real Madrid uh, but scored scored a world if it's the opening goal uh, and the women's Super, super League Jill Scott uh, she's gone from Manchester City woman uh, to Everton woman the club she started her career uh, the England legend Scott uh, Ficayo Tomori Chelsea to AC Milan uh, yeah. what do you make of Thomas Tuchel coming in by the way as we mentioned Chelsea I think uh, he's got a win the other day 2-0 against Burnley do you think he was the right man for the job he's he's uh, to be fair what I've seen he had he had a day to get
1: ready and he kind of had a, had an okay game and now uh, you know he's he's clocked up a win so He's 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 uh, too cool for Chelsea. But uh, <laughs> sorry about that. I know that's uh, a bit poor, but never mind. Um, yeah, no, I've got great. He's he's, he's not going to last long, as he says himself. You know, he he said he'll be here until he gets gets the sack. I think. By the way, I, uh, I, I want to yeah. add as well, right? Not that I'm Frank Lampard's biggest fan or anything, but I think it was quite disgusting the way that they dealt with him. But
0: uh, that's what we've uh, come to expect from Chelsea. It is. I think. Uh, there was a stat the other day in Aspillaqueta's something like nine years at the club. They've had something like eleven different managers or something. Yeah. Maybe no, sorry, eleven years at the club. They've had nine different managers, and yeah. I mean for one player. And then it was all, that was almost symbolic that he scored on, on t- only two or second games first. But I mean, what I was say was we'll he the right man for the job? It seems really everything that's been said. He was the only man for the job. Yeah. Uh, um, so and that's what makes me think almost. I'm not sure how long he's going to be there. But you know, good luck to him. And if he does well, then. We'll wait and see. Now, one of the kind of the nice, comfy signings of the transfer window, Matt Ryan, Brighton to Arsenal on loan, yeah. just suits everyone, doesn't it, really? Well, it certainly suits
1: us, doesn't it? And I'm sure Runnison can be going, oh, my God, thank God for that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can go and chill out and maybe get a little loan myself. And uh, yeah, yeah. No, well done, Matty Ryan. Good to see you. Welcome to the Arsenal, mate.
0: Uh, and the yeah the biggest signing for Arsenal because uh, we talked to Azul earlier didn't we, we Martin did. Odegaard joining from Real Madrid uh, no option to buy because we hear he does want to fight for his place at Real but a great form at Real Sociedad <laughs> uh, man knows how to pick a pass anyway and it's going to be good just him having that competition with Emil Smith-Rose emerges as a bit of an Arsenal starlet I mean yeah. creativity which we were starved of really for a while and it seems like it's flooding back to the Emirates.
1: There's no reason why uh, Odegaard and and Smith Rowe can't play together uh, in the same team when we really want to go and, and, and throw darts at people, you know, because, uh, <laughs> yeah, like you say, the creativity of both players. But uh, it does seem that, that Odegaard has come in to, to sort of nibble away at Smith Rowe's sort of place and it's it might be healthy competition. But I, I kind of see that they could work
0: together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, there's definitely, I mean, Odegaard, he can play on the wing, can kind of play in a slightly deeper role from Smith-Rowe, but then obviously you've got to accommodate the likes of Bamiang Lacazette, yeah. Martinelli, but, it, you know, it's squad depth and yeah. I think that anything that pushes Willie and further away to be honest I'm, I'm happy with but we, we don't want really to go into that but no. Marek the time has flown by I've just yeah, one thing I want to add Jesse. we mentioned um, <laughs> sorry we mentioned Tyler Freeman's Amptil Army podcast yeah. uh, and he's got a decent he's had a few good guests coming on uh, he's got a dodgy one tomorrow uh, I'm I'm coming on the podcast oh, no. so <laughs> make, make sure you go and have a listen to that Tyler doesn't know what he's getting himself into he <laughs> won't get a word in the poor lad but yeah. he's getting me on we're going to Talk all things non-league football. I don't know what he's got in store for me, but I can't wait to join him. You can listen to that absolutely. on all podcast platforms. Just search the Amptil Army podcast. I'll put it on Twitter as well. I'll put the link in in the description. Is that, Marek, anything you want to end up with, uh, uh, end the podcast with here? The only thing is, it's just one sort of signing that you missed out, which I think is
1: absolutely banging signing for West Ham, and that's Jesse Lingard on loan from Manchester United. That's an absolute quality signing. Well done
0: really yeah i think so <laughs> i trying to tie up the podcast but to be <laughs> fair i mean we'll see how he gets on but i mean as you said west ham lots of talent in that midfield yeah so he's, he's got so he's, he's gonna have to and... fight for his place
1: yeah Bill. but i think i think he'll slip in there quite nicely well I, I do think that's a great sign in to get to get older jesse over there it's not you know with west ham we're talking you know i know they're having a good season but they need that they need that of quality that jesse lingard has shown he's got i know he's been out of sorts very recently and lately um, but he's he's a fine player indeed and i think he'll, he'll do
0: well at west ham there we go. Jesse Lingard to West Ham. Marek is saying it's going to be good and oh, maybe uh, maybe it'll result in him signing permanently there, but we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, anyway, thank you all for listening to the Canary Club podcast. Next week, uh, we've got the return of Football Mythbusters. We're going to be talking why there are so many Yankees out in the Bundesliga over in Germany and we're announcing that we're going to be doing Valentine's Day XI's. I cannot wait for that. Valentine's Day elevens. You're going to love it. Oh my god.